The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code DKHOOPS. That's code DKHOOPS for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball. From growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball. From Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome in to NBA Pulse, a production of iHeartMedia and the NBA. I'm Sarah Kustak, NBA analyst for the Yes Network, and today is Friday, May 26th, and we got a special guest on this Friday, South Florida's own, ESPN's own, Israel Gutierrez. And Izzy, it's a thrill to have you on here uh, with us because what a series this has been for the Miami Heat and the Boston Celtics as Boston now stays alive. But first of all, great to have you on and great to see you. Well, thank you. Thank you. It's funny. I was just um, texting with a friend who grew up down here in Miami, but now lives up in New York. And he was all nervous and saying, man, what do you think the Heat's going to do in game six? And I'm just like, hey, isn't this fun? Like, did you really expect this to happen? So don't be nervous. Just kind of see what happens. And I think uh, that's kind of where I'm at with this run. It's just a lot of fun to watch. And it's just surprising that it happens to be the team in town. Well, for Miami Heat, yeah, Miami Heat fans, probably a lot more fun a few days ago. Uh, The fact that the Heat jumped out to that 3-0 series lead never in NBA history has a team come back from 3-0. But by all accounts, you got a lot of people and a lot of chatter coming out of Boston hoping that this could be the team. um, And they certainly looked like a team that had changed their attitude and changed their mentality, in particular, last night at TD Garden, uh, 110-97 win. Defense by Boston. Here comes Tatum. Outside, smoke. And from the start, they were excellent. Uh, jump out to a 35-20 
first quarter lead and whether it was the three-point shooting once again, the pace, the fast break points, turning Miami over, obviously the Heat playing without Gabe Vincent, mm-hmm. uh, Kyle Lowry getting the starts. But a lot of facets in this game of which the Celtics started to look like the team that had them as one of the favorites entering the playoffs um, in what they could do in the postseason. What, what stood out to you with uh, the way that Boston was able to play against this Miami team uh, that really has exceeded a lot of people's expectations throughout the course of this playoffs and, and in particular this series? Well, there's two things that stood out to me. One was the defensive pressure. Um, nothing, no pass was easy for Miami. No, uh, you know, dribble. No, you know, Marcus Smart just clean steals a couple of times of guys off the dribble. And so that was a lot more intense. Um, a little surprised that the Heat kind of looked like they didn't expect that. Um, you know, there weren't a lot of backdoor cuts. There weren't a lot of relief buckets against that pressure. And so that was something that the Celtics just had in their favor pretty much the entire game. Um, and, you know, Miami didn't really adjust to it, whether it be strategically or just in terms of uh, matching that effort. Um, and then the other thing is the Celtics, and this was a good strategy, they decided to make all their shots. Uh, at least early enough <laughs> to where, uh, you know, Derek White just looked like, uh, you know, you cannot leave him open for half a second. Off to White. A three. Um, you know, Jalen Brown went from odd air ball, like free throws in game four or game three, four. And then, you know, an air ball in his first shot in game five to all of a sudden looking like his normal self again. And then I'd say the last thing that sort of stood out was Jason Tatum not forcing the issue. Um, I feel like uh, so many eyes were on him in game three. He didn't really perform. Game four, he returned. um, And you would think, based on his history, that that meant this was going to be a high-volume shooting game for him in game five to carry the team. And it wasn't. It was a high-assist game. It was an 11-assist game for Jason. Here comes Tatum. 12 in the first quarter. Scoreless in the second. White to three. Absolutely on fire here. And he played great. And all those, you know, turnovers that looked like there was some sort of ghost pushing the ball out of the Celtics' hands in game three, that was now happening to the Heat in game four, in game five, where it seemed like any time uh, Bam Adebayo put the ball on the ground, it was Heat players, uh, it was Celtics players, rather, swiping at it and getting a turnover. And that's basically what Miami has been doing all postseason, leading the, the NBA postseason teams in deflections, in loose balls uh, recovered, in charges taken as well. And so those things weren't really there. And uh, I, I also think, just because I'm mentioning the charges taken thing, I feel like that is the only place where Joe Mazzulla is going to use his challenges just to kind of <laughs> kill the mythology of, hey, they don't take a bunch of charges. You guys just call a lot of charges for them. So watch when I challenge them. You're going to overturn everyone. Well, and you mentioned it. Joe Mazzulla had been under a lot of heat, a lot of scrutiny uh, throughout the course of those first couple games and, and has seemingly, you know, pushed some of the right buttons, I think, but also just as players playing harder. I mean, you talked about it, the defensive pressure, 27 points off turnovers for the Celtics, uh, Jason Tatum with 11 assists. Uh, there was nice balance and and they did an excellent job too, I think, to your point of just how they were able to flow into the offense. And yeah. when you look at Miami uh, going back, 
to to South Beach. They get to go home game six. They still do have this 3-2 series lead. Uh, but what do Eric Spolstra, Jimmy Butler, this group, what do they need to do differently in game six to get back to playing the way that they were early on and try and close out this series? Well, for starters, um, you know, everybody seems to want Bam Adebayo, at least those who want the Heat to do well. They seem to want Bam Adebayo to translate into a scorer all of a sudden. And when you look at yesterday's game, he would have been just as helpful, if not more helpful, if he'd just kept, say, Al Horford off the boards. Uh, because a lot of, again, you look at the the heat shooting percentage, 50, 51% in that game. Um, if they don't turn the ball over, if they don't give up offensive rebounds, the Celtics don't get those extra possessions. And then, you know, obviously they shot better than 50% as well. So, you know, they've got to look at it as, okay, bam, I, I, I want you to score. Don't get me wrong. But two things we'd rather you do, A, not turn the ball over. So if you need to kick it out, kick it out. And B, rebound the basketball on the defensive end. And when we when the Heat close those possessions out, um, they're, they can sort of organize the offense. They can run if they need to, if they have the opportunity. But if not, they can at least organize the offense, get Jimmy the ball, maybe get him to the foul line. And so I think that's where it starts. It starts with, you know, Bam not necessarily being an offensive presence, but being a rebounding presence and being a defensive presence where kind of remind him maybe they show him the tape of of the Atlanta play in where uh Clint Capella was just grabbing rebounds all over the place and as uh Ian Eagle said on the call it's just the same highlight over and over again with the Hawks players getting rebounds and kicking it out for another bucket well that's what Bam needs to avoid in this one and and Al Horford and Robert Williams can't have that big of an impact of a game you know and then you just need something from those outset from those uh perimeter shooters if you know Gabe Vincent will be back uh if he gets hot again or Duncan Robinson or Max Drews, any of those guys to sort of just maybe take a little bit of the attention away from Jimmy and then let sort of Jimmy operate uh, while the defense has to worry about everybody else on the court. Because that in this series, that's what's worked best. It hasn't been just Jimmy going off for 20 straight points. It's, hey, let's see what other role players can force the Celtics defense attention away from Jimmy and if they don't, hey, they're going to be wide open. And, and so far, you know, guys like Gabe and, and Caleb Martin have have taken advantage of that. So I think you're going to see a lot more of that. I think you're going to need a lot more of that from Miami. And I think when you talk about Eric Spolster needing one or his turn, would you say, to make the adjustments and you're going into a home closeout game? I think that's probably the perfect scenario for Miami. They're going to be sort of ahead, one step ahead, theoretically, in the game plan. And then they know if they just play with effort. They'll probably get a few, you know, home court calls and, you know, ideally pull out this victory and have the Celtics looking back at game two at home, really regretting how they ended that one. Well, with that being said, is that I'm going to put you on the spot, a, a prediction both for game six and also just your perspective and how desperately Miami does need to win game six if they want to win yeah. this series. Um, I've watch this team enough the last four years to say they don't have to win game six because they've gone into Boston and just done some amazing things or on the road in general and done some amazing things even in the playoffs or in the postseason the last few years. But I, I think they, they desperately want to win it at home. I think, you know, part of the pregame speech from Eric Spolster is going to be like, hey, this is going to feel just like last year's game seven. And that one ended not in our favor, uh, very close, but not in our favor. So to avoid that, 
avoid the close game situation at the end, really uh, make it one of those game three type of situations where it seems like an avalanche to uh, where for the Celtics and there's nothing they can do about it. That's kind of the feel they need to get. Fortunately for the Heat, though, they've been involved in more close games than anybody in the league this year. So if it comes down to that, you know, it's they still are well positioned. But I, I think Miami will win game six. I think, you know, big performances from guys like Caleb Martin. And then, like I mentioned, the defensive and rebounding performances from Bam. If you do that, there's not all the pressure on Jimmy and Jimmy will probably find ways uh, to get his points. So I, I think. It's funny because we've been sort of selling the Celtics' motivation as rebounding from last year's finals. Such a painful loss. I, I don't think they had the most painful loss of the postseason. I think that was Miami at home in a Game 7 with a shot by Jimmy Butler to end it. <laughs> and that was the memory that they're going to use as their fuel in this game. And I don't know if the Celtics have that same fuel to match because... If they did, I don't think they would have been down 0-3, frankly. Get out the popcorn. I know we're already Saturday, Game 6 at Miami. That's at 8.30 p.m. on TNT. And this has been a, a fun run, but there was a glorious four years in Miami Heat yeah. history from 2010 to 2014. You are the host of a new podcast, Four Years of Heat. We will get to that right after the break. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code DKHOOPS. That's code DKHOOPS for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See DKNG dot com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions terms and responsible gaming resources mtv's official challenge podcast is back for another season and guess what so are we just in case you forgot i'm tori deal i'm a six-time finalist and a challenge champion and i'm anisa ferrer and i've been gracing your screens for the last two decades I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. Welcome back to NBA Pulse. Sarah Kustak, joined by the great Israel Gutierrez, ESPN's own NBA reporter, on-air personality. You do it all. And now you also host a extraordinary podcast uh, called The Four Years of Heat. And it's about the four years LeBron James spent with Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh. Um, you grew up in South Florida. You covered the heat uh, for both ESPN Miami Herald during the course of that time. I know we all loved watching uh, that team and, and, and just all the different parts of, of how it came together and also what they accomplished. Uh, the first episode is already out. What have you now learned covering the heat and sharing with it, but even just starting this podcast and things that you'll be able to share with listeners um, about that great time for Miami Heat? Well, one thing I learned is that if you stick around long enough in the business, people call you things like legend. So thank you. But uh, I've just been around for a while. True, true. Uh, (laughs) um, I've learned that, you know, living here through that while still covering it you know i started off with the the big three um era i was still at the miami herald i was a columnist at the time and so it felt so intense so uh hyper local but also like us against the world type of situation you know even though you know as an objective journalist i'm not thinking or feeling that way but you see it all around you right you hear it all around you i listen to you know sports radio all the time and so it was just fiery all the time. And it wasn't like what we're used to, which is that in a football season where you sort of discuss things as the week goes on and you sort of bubble up to the Sunday. This was like every day, every time there's a game, it's like, oh, no, you know, what's going to happen? Or, oh, yeah, look what happened. And it was it was it was crazy intense. And then when I switched over to, to ESPN, I realized that and everybody is covering this team this way. And going back through it all makes me just kind of realize the fervor that was around that team, the kind of like, honestly, going back with the stories with the players and stuff is, you know, it's always fun, right? Especially guys that want to talk about these things and, and want to get into the finer details. But a lot of the time you look at just the perspective and the way people were thinking at the time. And man, we would cover this team so differently if it was, today. In fact, I think the team itself would be handled so differently if it happened today, because this was 10 years ago, right? And you think of load management and you think of guys playing, you know, currently maybe 37, 38 minutes to lead the league. Like you had a heat team where Eric Spolster in his third year is playing their big three, 45 minutes in like a November, December game. And it's just like, what are we doing? That never would have happened in 2023. So just those little details kind of uh, puts you in a place that you realize it's it's different than it was than it is now. What was what was obviously we know the talent, we know the success they had, um, but with the way that that team came together, what was unique about those stars, that group, Eric Spolstra, Pat Riley? We continue to see this and talk about Heat culture, mm-hmm. um, but what was unique about that group in particular? Well. 
it, it's why it's so funny because this Heat team has won a championship with um, almost a pressure-free, like that was pressure for Shaq, but, you know, eh, not as much, right? We wanted to see if Dwayne Wade could be that partner for him. You weren't sure. Boom, they did win a championship. Felt great because you had, you knew you had another decade plus of Dwayne Wade, and that feels great. This one, it was entirely different because it was championship pressure, not just like one, but multiple championship pressure placed on them right away. And if you really look back at it, was it pressure on everybody or was it just to get LeBron his championship? Like that was, he was the main character in this story. He was who everybody would say, if we win a championship for slash with that guy, then we all win. But really, they want it for him, meaning the media, the world, the fans. And that was just an intense level of pressure. And what I think was was unique about this team was they took what you mentioned, the heat culture, the heat way of of sort of facing everything up front, eye to eye, face to face. Don't sweep anything under the rug. Don't mumble under your breath. Like, let's just handle our situations. Uh, and early on, LeBron had to sort of figure out what that dynamic meant. And what that meant was, hey, you and your teammates are peers. Um, we're all in this together. That's the only way we can have this bunker mentality is if we're all honest with each other. And they sort of grew to understand what the mission was. And LeBron was like, all right, I know for me, not to be selfish, but everybody has to look out for themselves first. And so LeBron's like, for me, I need to win. And if I believe, if you believe that this is the way to do it, cool, fine. Eventually I'm in. It might've taken 20 games, 30 games, whatever, but he was in. And then, you know, they went through their stumble at, in that, in that 11 finals and where it could have crumbled a little bit, they instead, meaning Dwayne, uh, LeBron James, Eric Spolstra, all those who felt like they could have done more looked internally that off season and then sort of repaired themselves the next season. And I think the, the, the big takeaway that I take from revisiting this is the patience that you need to build something that great. Like no matter how good the players are, it takes so much to win an NBA championship. And if you don't have sort of the game plan, the blueprint, the mentality and the ability, you're just not going to finish the deal. And they had that finally that second year. And to just to tie it into this year's team, nobody wanted the Heat to run it back. They didn't want just to have, hey, Caleb Martin, you take P.J. Tucker's place. Let's do this again. They watched through the regular season and said, see, I told you so. But what Eric Spolster and the Heat are saying right back to everybody else is, no, we told you so. Stick with it. Believe in our process, if you will, not to steal anything from Philadelphia. And in the end, you're going to get the best out of who you are. And back then, it took the best out of the best player in the world to win two championships and make four finals in a row. And right now, it's taking you know the best out of a guy who's probably the biggest competitor in the league right now, Jimmy Butler, and a bunch of you know really gritty guys around them. So the process, the mentality remains the same, just the pieces are different. Izzy, you got me hype. You got me hyped. <laughs> Four years of heat. Uh, as I said, episode one is already out. Episode two will drop on Tuesday. A great table setter as we get set for game six as this heat team leads the Boston Celtics uh, three games to two in the Eastern Conference final. Uh, Israel Gutierrez, you really are the best. We appreciate your time and we look forward to hearing, seeing, listening to you um, as these finals continue. 
Thank you, Sarah. NBA Pulse with Sarah Kustak is a production of the NBA and iHeartRadio. Please rate, review, and subscribe on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening.